So, um, but today we celebrate Jesus triumphal. That's how a lot of the Bibles interpret it, or, or put a title on that passage of scriptures: His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. And what it really was, and I already referred to that, is Israel selecting their Passover lamb. And uh, this is the foundation of everything else. None of the rest of what we do works without this. In fact, the Jewish calendar began at this time. Their their religious calendar began in, in the season of Passover. They instituted a brand new calendar. It's really a picture of your life. Because in your life, there's two calendars. There's the natural one, and there's the spiritual one. So I was born in, uh, a long time ago. Let me, let me just give you a clue. When I was born, Dwight Eisenhower was president. That was a long time ago. I've lived in seven decades. I'm not... I'm not close to 70, but I've lived in seven different decades. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, so that's when I was born in the natural. That's my natural birthday. But on January 26, 1986, I was born again. So I have a second birthday. That's when I was born spiritually. Israel has that. They've got their civic calendar and then they've got their religious calendar. Their religious calendar began with the, with the whole Passover thing that, in the book of Exodus. That was the first month, first day of the first month is when they began to, the process of going into Passover, selecting their Passover lamb. Uh, and uh, so Palm Sunday is really a commemoration of that day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And... Uh, that whole narrative is actually playing out in the world and in the church. And America gets to choose its Passover lamb. I mean, you can take that analogy as far as you want to. Jesus riding in on a donkey, you know. Um, but the number for government in, in biblical numerology is 12. And 12 is a very important number when it comes to divine government. And it's interesting that in Exodus 12, it begins to talk about this issue of the Passover lamb. Uh, it says in Exodus 12, 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, then let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And now you shall keep it until the fourth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And so if you can imagine, this was the time of year 
when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, there were lambs and goats all over the city because the, the Jewish people had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And in the midst of all the lambs and the goats comes the Lamb of God riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Every family gets to choose their lamb, a lamb for a house. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you heard that or not. Every family gets to choose their lamb. Every head of family step up. Step up. If you, if you understood the authority that you have to choose the lamb for your household, you would understand that you never need to feel like a victim again in your house. You get to select the lamb for your family. That's your authority. That's how Joshua was able to say, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It wasn't a control move. It was an authority issue. He understood his authority. He wasn't going to force his family to serve the Lord. He, but before the Lord, he was going to take a position of authority and say, my house is going to serve the Lord. That's my position of faith, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. Head, every head of household, you get to choose who the lamb is, what lamb is going to be your Passover lamb. As for me and my house, it's Jesus, our perfect Passover lamb. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. All those other sacrifices were pointing to this one. This is the fulfillment of all of them. God's word doesn't shift and change with culture. It remains the same. It may not be politically correct, for the head of a household to decide on behalf of his household who they're going to serve. But God's word doesn't change. And I'm telling you, every head of household, you get to choose the lamb that is just the Passover lamb for your house. So interestingly enough, speaking of the number 12, when we get to that passage in the book of John, it's John 12, 12. This is the government of God established. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he had found the young donkey, sat on it as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, if that sounds funny, it kind of is. Because kings don't ride on donkeys. Kings ride on fine horses. Or actually, they get pulled by fine horses. This king rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. A peasants and servant class people rode on donkeys. This king rode on a donkey. He came as our servant. 
and God promoted him to be king. In Philippians 2, I'm going to read this because it really speaks to this. And I'm going to read it in the New American Standard because I don't think the King James or the New King James are an accurate translation here at all. I'm entitled to my opinion. Have this at, I'm beginning in verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was, he was, he was divinity. He was the, he was the prince of heaven. He was 100% God, and yet he left his divinity behind. He didn't consider it anything to hang on to. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus is the pattern son. He's the one who's the prototype of a new species that never existed before. A new race of people that would fulfill the assignment that first Adam failed at. His journey shows us the path to sonship. He left the highest place of divinity became fully human. Listen, he didn't walk on this planet as God. He walked on this planet as man. He was tempted in every way like us. You do, don't read in, in all of his 30 years of life. There's no reference to him doing any miracles. He did not walk as God. I mean, there's myths and legends about that that people made up. But there's no record of him operating in the miraculous after his virgin birth, which was a miracle from heaven. Until he was baptized by John and anointed with the Holy Spirit. The same experience he invites us all into. But he walked as a man. He never yielded to the sin. There was no sin in his bloodline because his blood, did, he had no earthly father. The blood comes from the father, not the mother. And because he had no earthly father, his bloodline was pure. It was clean. It was undefiled. There was no sin in the bloodline. He, Mary was impregnated by the seed of God's word that Gabriel carried to her. That's how she conceived. That seed became what caused her to conceive. That's why the angel had appeared to Joseph and said, huh, wait a minute, don't be putting her away. This, this that is in her, this is by the Holy Spirit. 
She has not been unfaithful to you, is what he was saying. Don't do that. This is God. This is, this is a conception with, that does not come by traditional means. And because he left the highest place of divinity, became fully human, made himself a servant to all, and then humbled himself to die without defense. He was a lamb. The lamb is defenseless. He went one place that none of us go. He carried our sin. Everything that's ever afflicted us, our families, all sin, all iniquity, all brokenness, all poverty, all sickness and disease, he carried it all. That's something you and I are never called to. That's one place he went that you and I do not go with him. Is to be the sin bearer for the world. He carried it all to the cross. And when he died, you died. When he died, first Adam died. When he died, your old carnal self died in him. He became sin for us who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And when they buried him, they buried you. They buried your old life. All the brokenness, all the generational junk, all of that was buried in Christ. And when he rose from the grave... And he rose out of that grave. You rose into a new life in him. That's what baptism is all about, is, is officially entering into that. That death and that burial and that resurrection. And because he came from the highest place, humbled himself to the lowest place, God promoted him back to the highest place. He gave him a name over every other name. At that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to, and the Father will receive glory because of that. Verse 16 says his disciples didn't understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him, that they'd done these things to him. And that's what this season is commemorating. Is the pivotal moment in all of history when the future and the destiny of the human race and of the planet hung in the balance on that cross. And when he said it's finished, when he said it is finished, it was the same phrase that was uttered by the high priest on the Day of Atonement when he came out of the tabernacle and had sprinkled his blood sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. The same thing. It is finished. 
price is paid. There's nothing that needs to be added to this sacrifice. I'm here to tell you today, that blood is enough to pay for everything that you've ever struggled with. It's enough to wash away all sin. It's enough to deliver you from all oppression. It's enough to wipe away your past and to give you a brand new start. And I encountered that, like I said, on January 26th of 1986. After a life of brokenness, a nine-year drug addiction, my mind destroyed so I couldn't remember stuff, my marriage in a shambles. And from the time I encountered and received him as my Passover lamb. I've never wanted to touch that stuff again. He set me free. And I'm here to tell you that he'll set you free. He'll set you free. When he said it's finished, the price was paid for you to be free. And if you're here this morning and you need a freedom that you've not found, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray with you. you need freedom in your life. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from fear. Freedom from torment. Freedom from guilt and shame. If you need to know that you're forgiven and you're set free, There's a Passover lamb who shed his blood to set you free. And his name is Jesus. I'll wait one more one more minute. you're reaching for freedom.
I could say every eye closed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to do that. Jesus died for you openly. And we need to stand for him openly and courageously. free from. This blood's for you. Let's pray. Father, right now I lift up all these who are standing. Lord, they're hungry for resolution, they're hungry for freedom. They want to have the struggle, the shame, the guilt, the fear removed from their life. And so I'm lifting them before you right now. And I'm offering up the blood of Jesus on their behalf. Say, I surrender to you, Jesus. I receive the sacrifice of your blood. To bring me forgiveness and to bring me freedom. I renounce all my bondage. And I'm declaring war on it today in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask for the blood of Jesus to wash over every heart right now. I offer up the blood against every bondage of the enemy in their life. I offer up the blood for complete breaking of those strongholds every ungodly covenant with darkness, whether it came through them or anywhere in their bloodline, I offer up the blood of Jesus for a resolution of all of it right now. If there's been any covenant with darkness that has required a sacrifice in order to to establish these strongholds. We offer up the blood of Jesus to cancel them now. The superior sacrifice of the blood of Jesus against any witchcraft, against any covenant with darkness, any agreement with the enemy. We offer up the blood of Jesus right now for the resolution of every one of them. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask that you release peace, restoration of joy, and that where there's a strategy for intercession, leadership, 
that you would speak to them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. We're going to get ready to receive communion here. And uh, then if anyone needs further prayer, we'll have some of our ministry team available to pray with you. When we eat the bread and we drink the cup, actually receiving what Jesus died to give us his broken body he said take eat this is my body broken for you and his shed blood he said except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood you have no life in you and so today for every commitment that you've made for every understanding that you've received you're tangibly biting into it when you receive the blood, when you receive the bread, you're receiving all the benefits of his body who was broken for you. Jesus didn't say, take, eat, this symbolizes my body. He said, take, eat, this is my body. How could he say such a thing? It's because your faith makes it so. That this is the new covenant in my blood. When you understand the power of the blood, to break every other covenant that you've ever been bound to. And if you're a head of family, I'm saying on, on behalf of your family to break every covenant with darkness that your, any family member has ever entered in, you have the authority through the blood of Jesus to cancel those things. According to your faith, be it unto you. I have the uh, obituary here someone sent me for um, Phil's dad, Eli Wingard. Um, we'll get to it here sometime services are tomorrow at uh, 10am at Sharon Mennonite down by Sugar Creek um, friends may call today from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8 at Sharon Mennonite so any of you that would like to attend calling hours today they're 2 to 4 or 6 to 8 at Sharon Mennonite, which is right on Route 39, uh, just outside of Sugar Creek, towards Walnut Creek. So, Father, we lift up the Wangard family to you. We thank you for the God of comfort. Holy Spirit, would you just comfort, encourage, be so real and so present. Let your love so wash over every family member.
I ask, Lord, for family members not only to grieve, but to be able to celebrate the homegoing of, the, of Grandpa, of their dad. The lift of Phil, Lauren and Dorn, all those guys. We lift up Scott and Candace and Tori, all the grandkids. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with them in a very real way. This would be a time of great comfort and of your presence and opportunities for kingdom advancement that they would recognize. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and feel free to come forward and receive communion with your family. Connect with someone else if you're by yourself. And uh, God bless you.